section thirty seven of england this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the world's story volume nine edited by eva march tapton section thirty seven the tournament of ashby de la zouche about eleven ninety four by sir walter scott the scene was singularly romantic on the verge of a wood which approached to within a mile of the town of ashby was an extensive meadow of the finest and most beautiful green turf surrounded on one side by the forest and fringed on the other by straggling oak trees some of which had grown to an immense size the ground as if fashioned on purpose for the martial display which was intended sloped gradually down on all sides to a level bottom which was enclosed for the lists with strong palisades forming a space of a quarter of a mile in length and about half as broad the form of the enclosure was an oblong square save that the corners were considerably rounded off in order to afford more convenience for the spectators the openings for the entry of the combatants were at the northern and southern extremities of the lists accessible by strong wooden gates each wide enough to admit two horsemen riding abreast at each of these portals were stationed two heralds attended by six trumpets as many per suivants and a strong body of men-at-arms for maintaining order and ascertaining the quality of the knights who proposed to engage in this martial game on a platform beyond the southern entrance formed by a natural elevation of the ground were pitched five magnificent pavilions adorned with pennons of russet and black the chosen colours of the five knights challengers the cords of the tents were of the same colour before each pavilion was suspended the shield of the knight by whom it was occupied and beside it stood his squire quaintly disguised as a salvage or a sylvan man or in some other fantastic dress according to the taste of his master and the character he was pleased to assume during the game the central pavilion as the place of honour had been assigned to brian de bois gilbert whose renown in all games of chivalry no less than his connection with the knights who had undertaken this passage of arms had occasioned him to be eagerly received into the company of the challengers and even adopted as their chief and leader though he had so recently joined them on one side of his tent were pitched those of reginald Font de berf and philippe de malvoisin and on the other was the pavilion of hugh de grand Masnil, a noble baron in the vicinity whose ancestor had been lord high steward of england in the time of the conqueror and his son william rufus ralph de vipon a knight of st john of jerusalem who had some ancient possessions at a place called heather near ashby de la zouche occupied the fifth pavilion from the entrance into the lists a gently sloping passage ten yards in breadth led up to the platform on which the tents were pitched it was strongly secured by a palisade on each side and was the esplanade in front of the pavilions and the whole was guarded by men-at-arms the northern access to the list terminated in a similar entrance of thirty feet in breadth at the extremity of which was a large enclosed space for such knights as might be disposed to enter the lists with the challengers 
behind which were placed tents containing refreshments of every kind for their accommodation with armourers farriers and other attendants in readiness to give their services wherever they might be necessary the exterior of the lists was in part occupied by temporary galleries spread with tapestry and carpets and accommodated with cushions for the convenience of those ladies and nobles who were expected to attend the tournament a narrow space betwixt these galleries and the lists gave accommodation for yeomanry and spectators of a better degree than the mere vulgar and might be compared to the pit of a theatre the promiscuous multitude arranged themselves upon large banks of turf prepared for the purpose which aided by the natural elevation of the ground enabled them to overlook the galleries and obtain a fair view into the lists besides the accommodation which these stations afforded many hundreds had perched themselves on the branches of the trees which surrounded the meadow and even the steeple of a country church at some distance was crowded with spectators it only remains to notice respecting the general arrangement of one gallery in the very centre of the eastern side of the lists and consequently exactly opposite to the spot where the shock of the combat was to take place was raised higher than the others more richly decorated and graced by a sort of throne and canopy on which the royal arms were emblazoned squires pages and yeomen in rich liveries waited around this place of honour which was designed for prince john and his attendants opposite to this royal gallery was another elevated to the same height on the western side of the lists and more gaily if less sumptuously decorated than that destined for the prince himself a train of pages and of young maidens the most beautiful who could be selected gaily dressed in fancy habits of green and pink surrounded a throne decorated in the same colours among pennons and flags bearing wounded hearts burning hearts bleeding hearts bows and quivers and all the commonplace emblems of the triumphs of cupid a blazoned inscription informed the spectators that this seat of honour was designed for la ronde de la beauté et des amours but who was to represent the queen of beauty and of love on the present occasion no one was prepared to guess meanwhile spectators of every description thronged forward to occupy their respective stations and not without many quarrels concerning those which they were entitled to hold some of these were settled by the men-at-arms with brief ceremony the shafts of their battle-axes and pummels of their swords being readily employed as arguments to convince the more refractory others which involved the rival claims of more elevated persons were determined by the heralds or by the two marshals of the field william de Weville and stephen de martival who armed at all points rode up and down the list to enforce and preserve good order among the spectators gradually the galleries became filled with knights and nobles in their robes of peace whose long and rich tinted mantles were contrasted with the gayer and more splendid habits of the ladies who in a greater proportion than even the men themselves thronged to witness a sport which one would have thought too bloody and dangerous to afford their sex much pleasure the lower and interior space was soon filled by substantial yeomen and burghers and such of the lesser gentry as from modesty poverty or dubious title durst not assume any higher place after the arrival of prince john the herald proclaimed the laws of the tournament which were as follows first the five challengers were to undertake all comers secondly any knight proposing to combat might if he pleased select a special antagonist from among the challengers by touching his shield if he did so with the reverse of his lance the trial of skill was made with what were called the arms of courtesy 
that is with lances at whose extremity a piece of round flat board was fixed so that no danger was encountered save from the shock of the horses and riders but if the shield was touched with the sharp end of the lance the combat was understood to be at outrance that is the knights were to fight with sharp weapons as in actual battle thirdly when the knights present had accomplished their vow by each of them breaking five lances the prince was to declare the victor in the first day's tourney who should receive as prize a war-horse of exquisite beauty and matchless strength and in addition to this reward of valour it was now declared he should have the peculiar honour of naming the queen of love and beauty by whom the prize should be given on the ensuing day fourthly it was announced that on the second day there should be a general tournament in which all the knights present who were desirous to win praise might take part and being divided into two bands of equal numbers might fight it out manfully until the signal was given by prince john to cease the combat the elected queen of love and beauty was then to crown the knight whom the prince should adjudge to have borne himself best in this second day with a coronet composed of thin gold plate cut into the shape of a laurel crown on this second day the knightly games ceased but on that which was to follow feats of archery of bull baiting and other popular amusements were to be practised for the more immediate amusement of the populace in this manner did prince john endeavour to lay the foundation of a popularity which he was perpetually throwing down by some inconsiderate act of wanton aggression upon the feelings and prejudices of the people the lists now presented a most splendid spectacle the sloping galleries were crowded with all that was noble great wealthy and beautiful in the northern and midland parts of england and the contrast of the various dresses of these dignified spectators rendered the view as gay as it was rich while the interior and lower space filled with the substantial burgesses and yeomen of merry england formed in their more plain attire a dark fringe or border around this circle of brilliant embroidery relieving and at the same time setting off its splendour the heralds finished their proclamation with their usual cry of largesse largesse gallant knights and gold and silver pieces were showered on them from the galleries it being a high point of chivalry to exhibit liberality towards those whom the age accounted as once the secretaries and the historians of honour the bounty of the spectators was acknowledged by the customary shouts of love of ladies death of champions honour to the generous glory to the brave to which the more humble spectators added their acclamations and a numerous band of trumpeters the flourish of their martial instruments when these sounds had ceased the heralds withdrew from the lists in gay and glittering procession and none remained within them save the marshals of the field who armed cap a pied sat on horseback motionless as statues at the opposite ends of the lists meantime the enclosed space at the northern extremity of the lists large as it was was now completely crowded with knights desirous to prove their skill against the challengers and when viewed from the galleries presented the appearance of a sea of waving plumage intermixed with glistening helmets and tall lances to the extremities of which were in many cases attached small pennants of about a span's breadth which fluttering in the air as the breeze caught them joined with the restless motion of the feathers to add liveliness to the scene at length the barriers were opened and five knights chosen by lot advanced slowly into the area a single champion riding in front and the other four following in pairs all were splendidly armed and my saxon authority in the wardour manuscript records at great length their devices their colours and the embroidery of their horse trappings it is unnecessary to be particular on these subjects to borrow lines from a contemporary poet who has written but too little the knights are dust and their good swords are rust 
their souls are with the saints we trust their escutcheons have long moulded from the walls of their castles their castles themselves are but green mounds and shattered ruins the place that once knew them knows them no more nay many a race since theirs has died out and been forgotten in the very land which they occupied with all the authority of feudal proprietors and feudal lords what then would it avail the reader to know their names or the evanescent symbols of their martial rank now however no whit anticipating the oblivion which awaited their names and feats the champions advanced through the lists restraining their fiery steeds and compelling them to move slowly while at the same time they exhibited their paces together with the grace and dexterity of the riders as the procession entered the lists the sound of a wild barbaric music was heard from behind the tents of the challenges where the performers were concealed it was of eastern origin having been brought from the holy land and the mixture of the cymbals and bells seemed to bid welcome at once and defiance to the knights as they advanced with the eyes of an immense concourse of spectators fixed upon them the five knights advanced up the platform upon which the tents of the challengers stood and there separating themselves each touched slightly and with the reverse of his lance the shield of the antagonist to whom he wished to oppose himself the lower order of spectators in general nay many of the higher class and it is even said several of the ladies were rather disappointed at the champions choosing the arms of courtesy for the same sort of persons who in the present day applaud most highly the deepest tragedy were then interested in a tournament exactly in proportion to the danger incurred by the champions engaged having intimated their more pacific purpose the champions retreated to the extremity of the lists where they remained drawn up in a line while the challengers selling each from his pavilion mounted their horses and headed by brian de bois gilbert descended from the platform and opposed themselves individually to the knights who had touched their respective shields at the flourish of clarions and trumpets they started out against each other at full gallop and such was the superior dexterity or good fortune of the challengers that those opposed to bois gilbert malvoisin and Franc de Burf rolled on the ground the antagonist of grand mesnil instead of bearing his lance point fair against the crest or the shield of his enemy swerved so much from the direct line as to break the weapon athwart the person of his opponent a circumstance which was accounted more disgraceful than that of being actually unhorsed because the latter might happen from accident whereas the former evinced awkwardness and want of management of the weapon and of the horse the fifth knight alone maintained the honour of his party and parted fairly with the knight of st john both splintering their lances without advantage on either side the shouts of the multitude together with the acclamations of the heralds and the clangour of the trumpets announced the triumph of the victors and the defeat of the vanquished the former retreated to their pavilions and the latter gathering themselves up as they could withdrew from the lists in disgrace and dejection to agree with their victors concerning the redemption of their arms and their horses which according to the laws of the tournament they had forfeited the fifth of their number alone tarried in the lists long enough to be greeted by the applauses of the spectators amongst whom he retreated to the aggravation doubtless of his companions mortification a second and a third party of knights took the field and although they had various success yet upon the whole the advantage decidedly remained with the challengers not one of whom lost his seat or swerved from his charge misfortunes which befell one or two of their antagonists in each encounter the spirits therefore of those opposed to them seemed to be considerably damped by their continued success three knights only appeared on the fourth entry who avoiding the shields of bois gilbert and Franc de Berf, contented themselves with touching those of the three other knights who had not altogether manifested the same strength and dexterity 
this politic selection did not alter the fortune of the field the challengers were still successful one of their antagonists was overthrown and both the others failed in the attaint that is in striking the helmet and shield of their antagonist firmly and strongly with the lance held in a direct line so that the weapon might break unless the champion was overthrown after this fourth encounter there was a considerable pause nor did it appear that any one was very desirous of renewing the contest the spectators murmured among themselves for among the challengers malvoisin and franc de Boeuf were unpopular from their characters and the others except grand mesnil were disliked as strangers and foreigners the pause in the tournament was still uninterrupted excepting by the voices of the heralds exclaiming love of ladies splintering of lances stand forth gallant knights fair eyes look upon your deeds the music also of the challengers breathed from time to time wild bursts expressive of triumph or defiance while the clowns grudged a holiday which seemed to pass away in inactivity and old knights and nobles lamented in whispers the decay of martial spirit spoke of the triumphs of their younger days but agreed that the land did not now supply dames of such transcendent beauty as had animated the jousts of former times prince john began to talk to his attendants about making ready the banquet and the necessity of adjudging the prize to bryant de bois gilbert who had with a single spear overthrown two knights and foiled a third at length as the saracenic music of the challengers concluded one of those long and high flourishes with which they had broken the silence of the lists it was answered by a solitary trumpet which breathed a note of defiance from the northern extremity all eyes were turned to see the new champion which these sounds announced and no sooner were the barriers opened than he paced into the lists as far as could be judged of a man sheathed in armour the new adventurer did not greatly exceed the middle size and seemed to be rather slender than strongly made his suit of armour was formed of steel richly inlaid with gold and the device on his shield was a young oak tree pulled up by the roots with the spanish word destichado signifying disinherited he was mounted on a gallant black horse and as he passed through the lists he gracefully saluted the prince and the ladies by lowering his lance the dexterity with which he managed his steed and something of youthful grace which he displayed in his manner won him the favour of the multitude which some of the lower classes expressed by calling out touch ralph de vipon's shield touch the hospitaller's shield he has the least sure seat he is your cheapest bargain the champion moving onward amid these well-meant hints ascended the platform by the sloping alley which led to it from the lists and to the astonishment of all present riding straight up to the central pavilion struck with the sharp end of his spear the shield of bryant de bois gilbert until it rang again all stood astonished at his presumption but none more than the redoubted knight whom he had thus defied to mortal combat and who little expecting so rude a challenge was standing carelessly at the door of the pavilion have you confessed yourself brother said the templar and have you heard mass this morning that you peril your life so frankly i am fitter to meet death than thou art answered the disinherited knight for by this name the stranger had recorded himself in the books of the tourney then take your place in the lists said bois gilbert and look your last upon the sun for this night thou shalt sleep in paradise gramercy for thy courtesy replied the disinherited knight and to requite it i advise thee to take a fresh horse and a new lance for by my honour you will need both having expressed himself thus confidently he reined his horse backward down the slope which he had ascended and compelled him in the same manner to move backward through the lists till he reached the northern extremity where he remained stationary in expectation of his antagonist 
this feat of horsemanship again attracted the applause of the multitude however incensed at his adversary for the precautions which he recommended brian de bois gilbert did not neglect his advice for his honour was too nearly concerned to permit his neglecting any means which might ensure victory over his presumptuous opponent he changed his horse for a proved and fresh one of great strength and spirit he chose a new and tough spear lest the wood of the former might have been strained in the previous encounters he had sustained lastly he laid aside his shield which had received some little damage and received another from his squires his first had only borne the general device of his rider representing two knights riding upon one horse an emblem expressive of the original humility and poverty of the templars qualities which they had since exchanged for the arrogance and wealth that finally occasioned their suppression bois new shield bore a raven in full flight holding in its claws a skull and bearing the motto gare le corbeau when the two champions stood opposed to each other at the two extremities of the lists the public expectation was strained to the highest pitch few augured the possibility that the encounter could terminate well for the disinherited knight yet his courage and gallantry secured the general good wishes of the spectators the trumpets had no sooner given the signal than the champions vanished from their posts with the speed of lightning and closed in the centre of the lists with the shock of a thunderbolt the lances burst into shivers up to the very grasp and it seemed at the moment that both knights had fallen for the shock had made each horse recoil backwards upon its haunches the address of the riders recovered their steeds by use of the bridle and spur and having glared on each other for an instant with eyes which seemed to flash fire through the bars of their visors each made a demi volta and retiring to the extremity of the list received a fresh lance from attendants a loud shout from the spectators waving of scarfs and handkerchiefs and general acclamations attested the interest taken by the spectators in this encounter the most equal as well as the best performed which had graced the day but no sooner had the knights resumed their station than the clamour of applause was hushed into a silence so deep and so dead that it seemed the multitude were afraid even to breathe a few minutes pause having been allowed that the combatants and their horses might recover breath prince john with his truncheon signed to the trumpets to sound the onset the champions a second time sprung from their stations and closed in the centre of the lists with the same speed the same dexterity the same violence but not the same equal fortune as before in this second encounter the templar aimed at the centre of his antagonist's shield and struck it so fair and forcibly that his spear went to shivers and the disinherited knight reeled in his saddle on the other hand that champion had in the beginning of his career directed the point of his lance toward bois shield but changing his aim almost in the moment of encounter he addressed it to the helmet a mark more difficult to hit but which if attained rendered the shock more irresistible very true he hit the norman on the visor where his lance's point kept hold of the bars yet even at this disadvantage the templar sustained his high reputation and had not the girths of his saddle burst he might not have been unhorsed as it chanced however saddle horse and man rolled on the ground under a cloud of dust to extricate himself from the stirrups and fallen steed was to the templar scarce the work for a moment and stung with madness both at his disgrace and at the acclamations with which it was hailed by the spectators he drew his sword and waved it in defiance of his conqueror the disinherited knight sprung from his steed and also unsheathed his sword the marshals of the field however spurred their horses between them and reminded them that the laws of the tournament did not on the present occasion permit this species of encounter we shall meet again i trust said the templar casting a resentful glance at his antagonist and where there are none to separate us 
if we do not said the disinherited knight the fault shall not be mine on foot or horseback with spear with axe or with sword i am alike ready to encounter thee more and angrier words would have been exchanged but the marshals crossing their lances betwixt them compelled them to separate the disinherited knight returned to his first station and bois guilbert to his tent where he remained for the rest of the day in an agony of despair without alighting from his horse the conqueror called for a bowl of wine and opening the beaver or lower part of his helmet announced that he quaffed it to all true english hearts and to the confusion of foreign tyrants he then commanded his trumpet to sound a defiance to the challengers and desired a herald to announce to them that he should make no election but was willing to encounter them in the order in which they pleased to advance against him the gigantic front de boeuf armed in sable armour was the first who took the field he bore on a white shield a black bull's head half defaced by the numerous encounters which he had undergone and bearing the arrogant motto kawe adsun over this champion the disinherited knight obtained a slight but decisive advantage both knights broke their lances fairly but front de boeuf who lost a stirrup in the encounter was adjudged to have the disadvantage in the stranger's third encounter with sir philip malvoisin he was equally successful striking that baron so forcibly on the cask that the laces of the helmet broke and malvoisin only saved from falling but being unhelmeted was declared vanquished like his companions in his fourth combat with de grand messinil the disinherited knight showed as much courtesy as he had hitherto evinced courage and dexterity de grand mesnil's horse which was young and violent reared and plunged in the course of the career so as to disturb the rider's aim and the stranger declining to take the advantage which this accident afforded him raised his lance and passing his antagonist without touching him wheeled his horse and rode back again to his own end of the lists offering his antagonist by a herald the chance of a second encounter this de grand mesnil declined avowing himself vanquished as much by the courtesy as by the address of his opponent ralph de villepin summed up the list of the stranger's triumphs being hurled to the ground with such force that the blood gushed from his nose and his mouth and he was borne senseless from the lists the acclamations of thousands applauded the unanimous award of the prince and marshals announcing that day's honours to the disinherited knight End of section thirty seven this recording is in the public domain